Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special episode of Freelance Party Broadcast. Today, Jess and I are again recording from our houses. Jess, we've been apart for a month now. How are you getting on? I can't believe it's been a month outside of the office working from home. It's gone so fast, hasn't it? It literally has. The only way that I'm actually keeping track of the days is knowing that on a Thursday there's a clap at eight. So I'm like, oh, okay, today's Thursday. <laughs> so we've got a really good episode today. We're joined by Sean Meads Williams, who's the curator of the Freelance Writing Jobs newsletter. And she's also the agony aunt and columnist for Freelance Corner. Welcome, Sean. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you here. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from my bedroom in Islington. It's an unusual change of location. Um, <laughs> usually I'm working sat on my sofa, so it's nice to mix things up a little bit. <laughs> it's funny to think that the last time that the three of us met, we were in like a really lovely restaurant in London yeah. Bridge. <laughs> and now we're all just sitting on our beds. <laughs> <laughs> I miss restaurants so much. Oh, I know. Yeah. Where's the first place you're going to go when lockdown ends? I think it's um, a really tiny restaurant called Oldroyd. It's in um, Angel and they just do really lovely lunches. It's sunny in there and it's like just a simple lunch menu and they do wine in little tumblers and just been dreaming about a perfect lunch for a long time. That's really sweet. <laughs> Faye, where do you reckon you're going to go after lockdown? I don't know, probably the Ritz. No, joking. <laughs> <laughs> I need to dream bigger. Do you know what? It sounds so bad, but because of all of these Zoom calls where I'm like having a drink with my friends and stuff, I don't know if it's just me, but I have been having horrendous hangovers and I want nothing more than just a McDonald's. <laughs> yes, I so agree. Honestly, and the worst thing is, is that when you do these virtual drinks on a Friday night, you're then absolutely gone and whoever else in your house is just sober and then the next morning you're really hungover and they're absolutely fine. They don't care. Exactly. Yeah. And usually, if I'm really hungover, I'll be like, do you know what? And it's so lazy because my McDonald's near me, I could easily drive there. But when I'm hungover, I'm like, do you know what? Deliver it to my house. Yep. Give me those hash browns. And I haven't had access to that. And that's the thing that I'm missing the most. <laughs> well, we could talk about hash browns all day. I think I'm just going to go to Nando's. I think that's what I want. But aren't Nando's working on a delivery? Oh, I hope so. Oh, that'd be so good. I doubt because I'm in Wales. So you're not going to get that, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, so Sean, we've met a few months back, like Jess said. And we were speaking about your book. The pyjama myth. Yeah, of course. So then you were actually crowdsourcing for the book, but I'm delighted to hear that you've reached your target now. Yep, it is funded. It is, it's being written at the moment um, and it's going to come out probably, I hope, around this time next year. And yeah, it can be pre-ordered from Unbound. Um, so it's called The Pyjama Myth. It's the freelance writer's survival guide. And it is incredibly strange to be starting to write a book about freelancing and have the world of freelance writing turn upside down because whatever I feel like whatever I write now won't even be relevant in two weeks time or two months time so yeah it's an incredibly strange time to be writing about freelancing. Are you talking about coronavirus in the book at all or do you plan to or are you keeping it a bit timeless? I really want the book to be timeless but I don't see how you can avoid talking about this because I think it's going to mark on our lives forever I think it will be a part of history that while it is still incredibly boring it's going to be this benchmark that we all 
remember and refer back to and the knock-on effect that the last month has had is just going to continue for years I think in every part of our lives and I don't think that's something that's avoidable but I think yeah kind of figuring out a way of writing about that while also figuring out a way of staying focused and continue to write when a deadline is four or five months away is challenging. Of course. How much of your day-to-day life uh, in a work sense has changed since coronavirus? So it's about 50-50. I lost my main job, um, which was a huge blow. I wasn't expecting to and had actually been told that my job was safe. Um, at least for another month and then two days later it wasn't and I was jobless and that was a really big deal and I think it hit me mentally more than anything else but on the flip side I've lost a a couple of other clients that have made me realize that I probably needed to move on from them as well it sounds weird to say but I feel like there are some elements of dancing in the pandemic which will make freelancers work out what it is they want to do having a little bit of brain space to sit and refocus has actually been really good for me and I hope that other freelancers are finding that as well it's not to say I wouldn't have obviously loved more money coming in but that little bit of breathing space rather than feeling like I have to hit my own personal goals all the time is actually really nice and I'm I'm learning to take it easy which I'm not usually very good at I've started reading in the morning instead of commuting and just that hour to myself during the day is really nice. So yeah, my bank balance isn't nearly as healthy as it was, but I think I'm healthier. I'm so pleased to hear that you're finding the positives in this situation because that is a really tough thing to do. I guess, you know, your background is in freelance journalism, but you're probably best known, well, maybe not, but for, for me, I think, you, you, you know, you're, you're really well known because of your newsletter, Freelance Writing Jobs. And it's probably more relevant now and more, it's even more useful now than ever when it's just, you know, you might just want to read a newsletter about the jobs that are available rather than have to spend hours searching for jobs. For freelance writers who are just starting out or those who might not have found your newsletter yet, um, can you explain what it is and what you do? Yeah, of course. Um, so I started the newsletter Freelance Writing Jobs about two years ago, just because I had had a six month period where work was incredibly difficult. And then when I came out of that and started getting more work, I was still collecting so many freelance writing jobs and I couldn't apply. I didn't have time. So I wanted to do something with them and I decided that a newsletter was the best format. Um, I love writing newsletters and I think because of the time sensitive nature of freelance writing work, having a daily newsletter where everything is current is far better than sifting through a website and then finding that the freelance writing jobs that you're really interested in, it stopped being relevant three weeks ago and someone's already been hired. So keeping everything in a weekly format has been really great. And I think it just grew from strength to strength and it's just collected subscribers, but there's been a real shift in the last month, which has been kind of overwhelming for me it stopped being this lovely thing that I do each week and it's starting much more of a lifeline and a service to a huge part of the media industry and it's changed how I've had to work people are relying on it at the moment I think it's amazing that you provide it and I said to you the other day that 
there are so many people who are in their freelance writers in their kitchen doing a little happy jig because they've got paid work because of your newsletter and I think that's what you should keep in mind yeah it's and I think what's been really nice it's a burst of optimism each week and it's so hard for people to be able to see where those jobs are and where they're coming from and when all of your clients say we're not commissioning anymore it's so scary and I think more than anything it's incredibly hard to find jobs when you're stressed out it's hard to keep that resilience and keep looking for them and keep going back to the jobs boards and the jobs boards are empty because I think the problem is that no one is paying for adverts so that's somewhere that they can just cut out completely and it's a part of the media industry that is actually being seriously impacted but will have odd repercussions because places like The Guardian who rely on budgets from their jobs boards, that's going to have an impact on their budgets overall. It's a serious issue, um, like looking at you know, places like It's Nice That, whose jobs board is almost entirely empty. They're not bringing in that revenue and that revenue is thousands of pounds a month. So I am concerned about how something as simple as recruitment is going to affect publishing houses overall. Another thing that I wanted to mention about your newsletter, which really put a smile on my face when we went for lunch before, was the kind of like ethically sourced way that you found these jobs. And you've you've posted these jobs within the newsletter that would be good for you, like a good standard for you, which means it will be a good standard for everyone almost, because you've also done like a lot of background work in terms of like making sure that the budget's good that they can actually afford this freelancer that's reading the newsletter as well yeah I I do as much background checking as I can without it just swallowing up my entire day so I think you can tell a lot from reading job adverts whether or not something is a good role but if a company comes to me directly I check how much a role is paying I often ask companies to increase the rate if it's not enough because it's just not fair to freelancers to be pitching for work only to find that it's being paid at kind of four pence an hour or something or four pence a word or something like that or in some cases I'm pretty sure they're paying four pence an hour It's really important to make sure that that people are spending their time applying for quality jobs. And that's more important now. And I think I've actually, I've cut, had to cut down on the amount of jobs that are in the newsletter each week. It's still over 20 and really kind of focused on the jobs that are good and the jobs that are worthwhile. Because I don't think any freelancer should have to cut their rates at the moment to get work we shouldn't have to devalue ourselves we should be working with companies who want to work with us and are prioritizing working with freelancers and I think that's that's a really hard balance because it's such an easy thing just to say to a client I'll work for less money for over the next two months and how we get around that and that we're still valuing ourselves as freelancers is really important to me and I want that reflected in the jobs listed in the newsletter. So you touched on like some of the job board side of things, but I mean, are there any platforms that you can think of around your newsletter that freelancers could go to for any more job listings that they could find? So freelance wise, I think Archjobs is really great um, because so there, there's a search function on Archjobs, which means you can search for only the paid jobs. There's a lot on there that are unpaid. A lot of it is kind of skill sharing as with kind of like, you know, working in at in theatre and the arts that seems to be quite common but you can filter those out and that's really great um, because they obviously have a lot of kind of cultural roles in museums and 
kind of institutions and stuff like that. And I look at the docs regularly as well. Some jobs boards are tricky because you still then have to sift through what is paid and what isn't paid. And a lot of jobs are listed as freelance when actually what they are is internships. Um, The amount of times I've read a sentence such as this job is being offered on a fully freelance basis. So what does that mean? That just means you're not paying people and you've deliberately misunderstood the term freelance. So I think what the newsletter does that is really helpful for people is do all that searching. There isn't a jobs platform in the UK that I don't look through every week. So I do that all and then collate the best ones. It's not all of them because some of them are awful. So uh, (laughs) some of the jobs are really bad. That's really interesting. I see, um, I keep seeing things being advertised and it's like they want someone to come in and do like really basic proofing and and writing, but they want like five years experience of this, five years experience that, all of this, but they'll pay nothing and I just don't understand and there will be people who apply for it and there will be people there'll be someone who's like really over the moon to get that kind of thing you know but it seems to be a particular problem in in journalism and writing that it's seen as oh no this should just be your passion rather than something that you get paid for it's really hard because I've got so many subscribers on my list from all different areas and different levels of experience I think it's sometimes very difficult when there are companies paying less money and aiming themselves at a younger kind of less experienced level of writers and realizing that that's not necessarily helpful to anyone with kind of five six seven years experience and it's one of the reasons why pay transparency is so important the amount of times you've applied for a job and then realize that they're paying seven pounds an hour or even minimum wage and then just say well I've got over 12 years experience and we could have saved all of this time by you being upfront about what you're paying and if your rates are good you should never hide them I do as much work as I can to get people to share rates it's really hard it's really really difficult yeah I would love to see that change across the board and personally, I would also love to see an absolute clampdown on jobs board sharing any unpaid internships because I don't understand why they still do. Yeah, it's really not OK to do like these prolonged internships that are just unpaid. I understand work experience because that's well, work has really helped me. But I think when you see these like three month, six month internships and they're unpaid and no expense or anything, it's just absurd. So when I'm uh, looking to commission work for Freelance Corner, I have noticed that a lot of people are using Twitter more than ever to find freelance work. So I put my call outs there. I wondered, like, can you find work on social media as a freelance writer? Is it a, is it a good way to, to find work at the moment? It's such a good way to find freelance work, but not just because it's a way of finding out that editors are looking for pitches, which is so useful. It's more the you can build relationships with editors um, and Twitter is so good for that to actually be able to strike up a conversation with an editor that you really want to work with and have a conversation that isn't necessarily about work and I think the rapport that you can build with an editor is so important and just that ability to ask an editor if they're commissioning is really great. I think in all of this we're so panicked about 
what everything means for freelance writers that we've kind of forgotten that editors are working with completely slashed budgets with 10 times more work than they usually would they're getting hundreds of pitches from panicked writers and it's a huge amount of pressure while they're still trying to get their hourly run in each day and just make sure they're kind of not going mad while they're working from home under extreme circumstances and twitter although it can be a really exhausting place to be sometimes i think sometimes it's just nice to have chats with people and realize that everyone in the industry is very much in a not i don't want to say in the same boat because i don't think that's in the case but we're all going through something incredibly unusual and being able to talk about that with editors and other like-minded people is really great yeah you are right i guess um i come to it with both sides really because i i pitch and i'm a freelance writer and my spare time, which I, I say loosely, but I'm an editor yeah. in my full-time job. And that means I do I use social media to try and find commissions and find work for myself. But I think it is so nice at the minute to just be able to talk to freelancers and just realise that everyone is in a similar situation. Everyone does not, I don't want to use the unprecedented word because it's so overused, <laughs> but it, it is, no one knows what's happening. Everyone's a bit scared. Everyone's panicking. So I think it is so nice just to talk about Tiger King or something you've watched on telly or something you've eaten. It's just nice to have these like silly chats, I think. Yeah, it is. And that that can be a really nice icebreaker as well. Um, I think certainly when I started using Twitter years ago to kind of get to know editors, being able to mention in a pitch that you were chatting about something like a couple of days earlier is a really nice way of jogging someone's memory and to say, oh, I do know this person, rather than being kind of a faceless name with a pitch in their inbox. And it's just that little bit of extra familiarity that can be really useful. I'm not suggesting that every freelancer needs to constantly hound editors. It's just, it's incredibly nice to see editors as people you would like to work with rather than seeing editors as gatekeepers to a magazine you want to be published in. The best relationships you will ever have are the ones where you work with an editor to make your pieces the best they possibly can be as a freelance writer. And that is very much a two-way conversation and it's a relationship. And the more you do that and the better you are at that, the more you do that and the more open you are to that, it's more likely that you're going to have a long-lasting relationship with an editor, whether they move to a different magazine or change roles or just want to keep commissioning you. And I think that's a really important thing. Editors always want writers that they can rely on and writers that crucially they enjoy working with and it's down to you as a freelance to be the person that someone wants to work with oh absolutely and we had a conversation a week ago about when sometimes a very small minority of freelance writers can push the boundaries a bit far with how much they want to be your friend and I I said to you I put a call out for pictures and then suddenly had Facebook message requests and Facebook friend requests and um, people trying to follow my my private Instagram account even though you know Freelance Corner has an Instagram account they were trying to follow my private one and following my private Twitter and stuff like this and it felt like actually that makes me want to work with you less because you 
clearly don't respect my boundaries or my privacy. So there's definitely a, a fine line, but it's a very small minority of freelancers as well that are doing that. It's so difficult because I think certainly in a world where copywriting, which I do a lot of as a freelancer, copywriting and the tone everyone uses online has changed to be perma-friendly all the time. And it's made that professional, personal boundary very different. And I think I can say like freelance writing jobs sounds friendly and helpful. And it is, it is those things. But because I've made it very personal and personable, it's very difficult for people not to necessarily see that boundary. And it is, boundaries are so important, like especially at the moment when we're all working from home and I might well be used to working from home as a freelancer, but there are definitely some editors who aren't. There are some freelance writers who aren't. And getting an idea of when you work and what is and isn't okay, it's difficult, but it's really important. It's really important as freelancers to have their own boundaries as well, whether it's not working on a Saturday or just not replying to things. Things get really complicated when people break down that barrier, I think. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There are so many reasons why boundaries are being blurred and are confusing for us all at the moment. Um, trying to establish our own personal and professional boundaries at the minute is hard enough and trying to get other people to respect them is even harder. Yeah. So aside from all of that, what should writers be aware of when they're pitching now then? I think as it always has, it really depends on the editor. It really depends on who you're pitching and what exactly you are pitching. If you're pitching something that is totally unrelated to the pandemic, I think it's safe to say that you might well be waiting a little while longer before you get any sort of reply, unless an editor has asked for that specifically. If you're pitching something that is time sensitive, I think you have to be very aware that editors are undoubtedly getting a lot of pitches that are time sensitive, but also be aware that you have to kind of tell an editor that. And I think when we're panicked, when we're pitching, and I think a lot of people are at the moment, when we're panicked, we don't necessarily pitch at our best and we get very impatient, which is entirely understandable because it, like, I can tell the worst pitches that I've ever sent have usually been around when I need to pay my rent because a client hasn't paid me. And I can't tell you how terrible those pitches are because I'm just, desperate for someone to say yes to something and I'm a little bit more likely to chase more regularly than I should and perhaps not kind of take into account the boundaries that someone might want to put into place you get very single-minded rather than remembering that an editor might have 200 pitches in their inbox that day it really is that many for some editors and I think just a little bit of patience a little bit of calm and not necessarily wanting to be fussed one of the things I'm aware of with freelance writing jobs is that a lot of freelancers have made Thursday their pitching day as a result, which is really great. And it's such a great idea to save all of your pitches to one day. But I worry that some people are so quick to reply to a pitching call that they don't necessarily give their ideas time to breathe. And I think at the moment, that's a really important thing to still spend a little bit of time developing your own thoughts and thinking about a unique angle that you have as a freelancer because that is still your job as a freelancer it's your job to not just write but to come up with an angle that only you can cover 
I think that's a good point about letting your ideas breathe because I think I, I do th- like when I've been in your newsletter when you've included a, a call out for pitches from me I don't even have to check my personal email to see that your newsletters come out because I've suddenly got you know 20 <laughs> emails in yeah. my inbox I remember once I literally got up to make a cup of tea and I came back to my laptop and I was like what has happened where where are these people come from <laughs> you know what it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant the only thing I'd add is that I sometimes get quite a lot of pictures and you can tell that they haven't actually read what I'm looking for they've just thought oh this could work or they haven't checked to see if we've published similar recently and I think just making it clear oh you know I've I've, I've looked on you know the mag whatever it is if it's a magazine I've looked on the website and I can see that you haven't published anything about this therefore you know that kind of thing rather than like there is I've had to send so many emails where I'm like thank you so much for taking time to pitch but I just published a very similar piece so it's yeah it's that as well I think just being really aware of what the editor's actually asking for it's freelancing 101 and if you're going to send a pitch that you don't know someone has published something a week ago you're not doing your job properly and it's it's a really easy win for a freelancer to just double check and and I say that and I don't always do it or I don't search back far enough and I think I can speak for every single freelancer when I say we don't always read the publication before we pitch we may well have picked it up at some point we don't necessarily go out and flick through a magazine the most recent issue and it might well be four or five months since we last read that magazine and it's stupid it is doing us a disservice as freelancers but I think sometimes I think anyone doing a job cuts corners and especially at the moment when we're panicking there might be a quick cursory look of the website and it's terrible and I'm not advocating that element of pitching at all but I think all freelancers do it it's a really easy win just to say right okay I'm gonna research this properly because most editors don't reply if you don't do that research and if you're not willing to put in that five seconds of research to do a quick search for your article idea it's entirely likely that you're not necessarily going to put in that research for your own article if it gets commissioned yeah I I completely agree and what you said about you won't get reply to your email I'm so careful to try and reply to everyone and sometimes it is literally impossible and I just have to be like oh I can't especially if it's something that's completely far from what would ever be published but yeah it is just that if you're not going to put the research into the pitch or there are clear holes in the pitch that don't add up then of course like no editor is going to commission that because you don't know what the end piece is going to look like I just had a, a question about, so if you're a freelance writer and you, you absolutely just can't find work at the minute, how else can you use your time to work on your skills? Are there, uh, you know, maybe for your business long term, is there anything you can do at the minute? I think there's always something that freelancers can be doing because there is always something at the end of the week that you didn't take off on your to-do list because having a glass of wine is better. Um, for me, it is endlessly forever updating my website. I didn't have a working professional website for three years because I broke mine once while I was trying to redesign it. And then I got a new job and I just didn't bother doing it. Um, So I only had a professional website from January this year. So if your website hasn't been updated, if you can't remember the login to your own website, it's probably (laughs) been too long since you updated it. And 
it's simple things like that looking at your LinkedIn wondering when the last time you took PDFs of your own work um, a lot of companies are really struggling at the moment and that does mean that some websites may fold and if they do your work may not be live for as long as you'd anticipated having PDFs of that as part of your portfolio is really important I used to work for a travel website and I didn't take any PDFs of my work and then for reasons that are inexplicable they redesigned in the most ugly way I have ever seen. All of the images are now in the wrong order. Everything is wrong. Everything is terrible. I now don't want to send potential clients to that website. And yet I think it's some of it is some of my best writing. So yeah, it's, it's really hard to not want to send people to what is now a really ugly website. So get PDFs and make sure that you're still spending time developing your own work and your own ideas. And you don't always have to be writing ideas for immediate pitches if you've got an idea that you know is going to take more work and more research now is the time to do it now is absolutely the time I'm not saying you have to go out and write a novel or start writing a non-fiction book but do the things on your to-do list that you think you don't usually have time for that will help future you get work that's really interesting Um, We now have some questions from Callum. Callum's new to freelancing and he was supposed to join us today so he could ask you his questions himself. Unfortunately, he's unwell. So we wish you better, Callum, but we'd still like to ask Sean your questions because they're brilliant. And I'm sure there are so many freelancers who are in the same position as you now, decided to go freelance and then a pandemic hit and you have no way of planning for that. So Callum's first question He says, for myself and people in a similar position who have recently become self-employed, what advice would you give us in terms of finding regular work, particularly with the current situation? Okay, well, first up, it is an incredibly daunting thing, I think, for freelancers who are new to this and already, I think, prepped for a really exciting part of their careers and suddenly realising that it almost feels like it's on hold. Um, so yeah, my sympathies and I really hope that things start to turn around quickly. As for finding work, it's doing what you're already doing. I think there's actually a piece on Freelance Corner that I wrote a couple of weeks ago about what to do when you're struggling to find work because that endless cycle of refreshing jobs boards over and over again, it's a bit soul-destroying. So there's an article on Freelance Corner that talks more about the other practical things that you can do around that and it's stuff like making sure your cv is also up to date or like working on linkedin and just making sure you're not getting bogged down in feeling sad if you're not finding work i think now is a really good time to start cold emailing companies Um, my friend anna cadrerado writes the professional freelancer and she's written some really interesting pieces about cold emailing but i think if you can look at company's website or look at what company's doing and think say actually I can offer them something that's a really good way to start a conversation at the moment especially in unprecedented times like this and see where you can add value I think that's the most important thing we don't as freelancers we don't have to wait for companies to get in touch with us we need to get very used to putting ourselves out there very quickly and Some of the best work you will get is from striking up conversations with companies that weren't necessarily hiring or didn't know that they were and starting that conversation. And it may actually be 
that the conversations you have now don't come into fruition for a few more months. But again, it's about kind of future-proofing what it is you want to do. And starting those conversations now is really important, I think. Anything that you're doing that makes you feel really productive, not necessarily busy work, but active steps to getting your career to be in the place you want it to be is time well spent. I know someone who has a list of a thing they want to do every day to help further their career, which is a really nice thing to do. I have very, very small monthly goals that I work on to kind of get to an end point at the end of the year. So having those still in place and still doing it and being realistic about what you can achieve at the moment in a pandemic is really helpful because I think goals are supposed to help us. And if I said my goal is to write 40,000 words of my book before lockdown is finished, I'd fail by next week. Um, So bite-sized goals, something that's manageable, something that makes you feel better about the current situation, all of that's really important. So Callum also came up with another question saying, on a broader note, putting work skills and experience aside, What characteristics are key to becoming a successful freelancer and getting your name recognised? That's such a nice question. I think one of the best things about freelancing is that every freelance writer offers something different. And it's, it's one of the most important things about being a freelancer. But I think more than anything, it's resilience. And I mean, my resilience has certainly wavered over the last month. It comes back and forth each day, I think. But The goalposts have absolutely moved immeasurably. And I think the best freelancers I know are the ones who can move with those goalposts. And it's not always easy, but realizing that there is still work out there, you've just got to try a little bit harder to find it, or you've got to try a little bit harder with your pitches is incredibly difficult. But I know that although this seems unprecedented, difficult times for freelancers isn't unprecedented. I think resilience is so important and with that comes a kind of beauty of self-care to make sure that you can stay on top of that resilience. I'm a better freelancer when I've had something to eat, when I've slept well, when I've had a shower and it's a really basic thing but you just work better when you're taking care of yourself and perhaps it is the most basic things that we need to focus on at the moment and then It's the other stuff where your own voice and your originality is always what makes you an excellent freelancer. I thought the point that you made then about taking care of yourself is so important. We all do work better once we have brushed our hair a bit or, you know, just had a glass of water. And I was going to say, you know, what was going through my head was about having a a workspace and stuff like that. And so many people don't have a dedicated workspace. And it angers me seeing people say like, oh, clean your desk and stuff like that. When it's like, well, not everyone has a desk. And, you know, I thought, actually, we can't really say much about that because we're recording from our beds. (laughs) So I think a dedicated space means something very different to a lot of different people. A lot of my articles get written and figured out while I'm going for a run. So I think mental space is perhaps more important when they, I know writers who write on their phones using voice notes and I've sent article pitches via WhatsApp to certain editors which maybe that blurs the boundaries thing we were talking about earlier but we work so differently and our lives are set up to be mobile 
the idea that a freelancer necessarily has a dedicated space. We're speaking from a point of view of privilege when we talk about that, Mm. I think, which is something I'm so wary of, especially in a pandemic when we're all incredibly lucky to have safe spaces where we can work and feel comfortable. And I don't think that's the case. I certainly don't think it's the case for every single freelancer. So being mindful of that and perhaps looking at how you can get into a mindset of work wherever you are is probably more important. We're running out of time. So I just we've got one last question um, from Callum. He says, and this is a big question, what do you see the future holding for the world of freelancing? Do you see brands and companies increasing their use of freelancers or keeping more work in-house? Okay, um, I, I do not know what the future of the media industry holds. I cannot say it um, and, and I won't. But what I can always say is that publications will always need freelancers. Always. It is undoubted. And I think if you look back to last year when there were so many layoffs and BuzzFeed started laying people off, so did the indie, the pool closed, if that was last year or the year before. And I think when you look at all of those, every single company that started laying off staff then took on more freelancers and I think it's really important to say that freelancers although we have a very interesting working relationship with media companies we are invaluable to the media industry and that doesn't change I think the important thing for freelancers is to go back to what we were talking about earlier is to figure out what they are offering that makes them different from staff writers because there is a difference and there absolutely is and and your article pitches and what you're offering and what career you're setting yourself out for has to be different to the work that can be done in-house because if it's not you have to really kind of ask why you're freelance because if if what you want is to be a staff writer then by all means kind of go and do that but I think freelancers have a really brilliant position where they get to carve out their own careers and their own writing and do the kind of work that they want to do and when you're pitching your own pieces you get to be in control of what you're pitching um so we really should make it stuff we're excited about and stuff that's fun and inspiring to us and stuff that makes us feel really really good about what we're doing every day and once all this has calmed down Um, And I have no idea how long that will take. I think that will still be true. I think it's still true now. And I think it was true before the pandemic started. And I don't think that will change because the media industry is about creating amazing news and features and articles that people want to read. And people still want to read interesting stories. They still want to read about fashion and art and literature and sport and design and all of those things that we get excited about because we're human and the media industry will always reflect that so I'm excited for that this could be you know you don't want to say it's good for freelancers but this could actually lead to more work for freelancers in the long run we could talk about this all day but unfortunately that's all we have time (laughs) for in this episode Uh, listeners you'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on freelance corner Thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. Subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify or any other podcast platform. Please feel free to like, share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us and we hope that all of our listeners are staying safe. Thank you, guys. That was really fun. <laughs>